All right, welcome to Right Talk America with Dr. Julio Gonzalez and myself, Rod Thompson. I thought we had a good lineup of stories to talk about, and then Thursday night happened, and it was like, for me, it was like the hydrogen bomb going off. Yeah, exactly. You now, just wait, wait. You're just saying that because I sent you a GIF. Yes, that is exactly <laughs> right, and I'm picturing that GIF right now. Um, and but the reality of it is, and and this is on on the declassification issue, which we're going to get right to. What's interesting to me is I did not see a lot of play in that in the media today there was at all. Silence. All a very little play. There was silence. I was so surprised at that. Well, I think that it's huge, and I think you do too. And that's why we're going to spend News, some time talking about it. Fox News on Thursday night thought it was huge. The night that it broke, uh-huh. but Friday, uh, it I'm was not just, seeing hardly anything anywhere other even than on just Fox, noting it. Maybe, maybe in the evening programs, which I have not seen, but on the Friday evening programs, which I have not seen, but but throughout the day, it's been like you know. But I'm talking about all the other media outlets. Oh, forget too. the other the other media but are going to suppress it, right? Well, I don't know. I assume they don't know how to spin it yet. They haven't figured out how to spin it yet. They need to consult with Adam Schiff on that. There's first. no possible way. There's no possible way, Rod. That once Barr starts releasing this type of information that has been authorized for declassification by by our president, there's no way that those stories are not colossal in nature. Right. So I think so too. So let's let's just quickly tell our listeners what it is we're talking about here. It was on late Thursday night when President Trump gave Attorney General uh, Bill Barr the authority to declassify information and documents that are related to the FBI's spying during the 2016 presidential election. This is what Barr said he wanted to get to the bottom to. He told Congress, we're going to get to the bottom of this. We're going to fully investigate it. So as part of that, Trump is doing what um, I wanted him to do for a long time. I think you did too. And that's just declassify everything because he had the authority to. So he's he's uh, doing a couple things here. He's going to declassify the information. It's got to follow. He said, it, obviously, it needs to follow all of the laws and the rules in, in conjunction with the agencies. But then he also has ordered all of these agencies to cooperate and cooperate immediately with Barr's investigation. And that's State Department, Treasury, Defense, Energy, Homeland Security, CIA, and the Director of National Intelligence. And uh, this is what I think is a, is a bit of a bomb because I think clearly Trump knows what's in all these, right? He knows what all, was in all these documents. And his people knows what's in them. And they want it out. I suspect this is exactly why... Um, nobody in the media has been curious about what's in those underlying documents um, because that is not going to fit the narrative. I think those, a lot of those documents that both Barr is going to find and that are going to be declassified and put out there with a, with a dishonest spin, of course, are going to suggest that there was enormous amount of corruption and scandal in the these agencies, particularly during the Obama administration, during the campaign um, for president. And that is not the... Um, at all the narrative that the media and the Democrat Party want, it, want going into 2020. So much for the Trump, the uh, the Obama administration being scandal-free. Uh, yeah, what a laugh that, uh, that always was, was. That's always been a laugh. Uh, yeah, I think you're right. I think that it's really going to turn the tables on this whole Mueller investigation, on the whole premise. It's going to send uh, FISA into the FISA process into a tailspin. But more importantly, there are going to be individuals and i'm thinking about comey and i'm thinking about page i'm thinking about ooh department of justice head uh who met with uh president obama at the airplane loretta lynch thank you loretta lynch i'm thinking about loretta lynch specifically yeah i might even how about john brenner and james clapper i john john brenner 
yes, James Clapper. I'm even might be thinking a little bit of, uh, I might have a couple of Hillary Clinton thoughts here. I, I think all those people get get to be identified as being involved in this massive scam to try to, like, in the words of Bill Barr, to place a heavy hand on the scale of the election, and which is absolutely, completely inappropriate. And as you and I discussed on many prior episodes of Right Talk, Talk America, it is uh, it is it puts us well on our way to being a banana republic. As a matter of fact, it's probably the key the key factor of creating a banana republic is when you favor one person over another in the system. You corrupt the system to favor one person over another for political expediency. Correct. The, the person in power acts in an authoritarian sort of way. They use the apparatus of government against the political opponent. Look, that is just what Chavez did. Um, Hugo Chavez did after he was elected once um, and uh, in, in Venezuela, right? That's what he did. He started nationalizing stuff, and then he used the apparatus of the state against his political opponents and became president for life till he died, and it was handed off to the next guy, Maduro, who is now president for life. That is exactly what a banana republic is. That is what it looks like happened here. That's exactly what it looks like happened. So one would think that the media and the Democrats, who have been wanting full transparency on the whole investigation of, of Trump stuff, we want to have the full Mueller report. We want to have the underlying documents, which I assume a lot of this stuff will actually be. I'm beginning to think they actually wanted an issue and not the talking points. And here's the key. Adam Schiff, maybe the most dishonest member of Congress right now, which is saying something because he's not stupid, unlike, say, Maxine Waters. Um, he is actually a perfectly bright man. He lied, of course. He's the one who lied for two years, saying that he'd seen the documents, that the walls were closing in on Trump, that he will be impeached, he will be forced out of office. There were no documents. He was lying the whole time. He just continues lying. Here's what he tweeted out um, after um, Trump uh, talked about declassifying. <clears throat> it's like an upside-down world here. He says... Uh, Adam Schiff's tweet, while Trump stonewalls the public from learning the truth about his obstruction of justice, Trump and Barr conspire to weaponize law enforcement and classified information against their political enemies. The cover-up has entered a new and dangerous phase. This is un-American. That second line, I know, it just cracks, it almost leaves you speechless. When he says that they're conspiring to weaponize law enforcement and classified information against their political enemies, that is just exactly what was done against Trump. I don't see how, how the, the, the concept of projection could be any more clear than that right there. Well, for me, the, the key words were cover-up. So how can you say that somebody... <laughs> That somebody's gonna engage in the government. Classify everything. Well, you declassify. I mean, it's like it's like the Mueller report uh, all over again, but this time even on steroids in terms of the falsity of the of the charge. Uh, with a Barr uh, report summary of the Mueller report, the accusation was that Barr was trying to cover it up, that he was trying to hide the president's uh, malfeasance by providing a summary that didn't say what actually Mueller had actually uh, tried to convey. Well. That doesn't make any sense because two weeks later, within three weeks, actually, he released the the, the report in its entirety, essentially, with right. except for some redactions a few as required by law. Right. And by the way, none of which were redacted by by uh, presidential decree or by confidentiality request by the president. But but now we have here the same thing, except it's even bigger. We have all sorts of information that has been, that have been classified that has been suspected. As being able to to um, 
lay out the road, the roadmap and the foundation for a horrible, horrible, just dizzying uh, insight into the corruption that exists in our government. And President Trump is going to declassify it. He is going to take off the shutters from it so you can look right through it. And he says, uh, Schiff says that somehow this is furthering a cover-up. So it's amazing, isn't it? Because literally Trump is uncovering he's things. literally uncovering he's literally stuff. uncovering things and it's gonna be but here's why i think he uses even the phrase the term cover-up i think that this is this was pre-planned i'm not sure that they were ready for trump to do this remember it was we're going to talk about this in the next segment but when nancy pelosi used the phrase cover-up to to sabotage their um their infrastructure meeting uh earlier in the week i think cover-up has now become the planned strategy, which is why you should hear it in the media all the time now, because as soon as the Democrats come out with a phrase or a term, the media parrots it indefinitely. And so I suspect the cover-up has just become the term du jour. And so Schiff is just using it, right? Because that's what we're going to do, and the media will run with it. But it makes no sense when he's uncovering everything. Right. And that's why you're you're absolutely right in 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 feeling like the world is upside down, because things that are that are transparent are made to look opaque. Things that are dark in color are made to look uncolored, and it's 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 really impressive. It's it's when you come out right. There's no longer a right and wrong rod. It's only whatever spin I want to give it. And these people are becoming even more and more brazen about spinning it in a manner that goes against every precept that we may have about what about what good is and what evil is. Something that's evil. You know, today, we were setting up our countdown clock here. Okay. And our countdown clock, right now, is meeting is reading one minute and 51 seconds. And um, and as I was setting up, out of the bottom was this advertisement for a play. Many of you have seen it. Wicked. Oh, yeah. I hate that play. Oh, yeah. I haven't seen it. Nor, putting, nor do I intend to. I'm putting my Darth Vader voice. Ooh. I hate that play. And the reason why I hate that play is, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's it's an alternate reality to what happened in the Wizard of Oz. And so essentially it paints the wicked witch of the West as being a victim victim because of the color of her skin, oh, because geez. of her disabilities. No wonder She's it was a victim. So popular and and uh, well actually popular is the the name of one of their areas. And it describes about how important it is for 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 the good witch, what is it, Glinda? Uh, to be to be to be popular in high school, and so she was a wicked lady in high school who made fun. Yeah, don't don't choke yourself. He's trying. He's, and and so the whole theme of the of the whole the whole thing is that this whole wicked Wizard of Oz story is a misinterpretation because it's a misinterpretation based on our preconceived notions. And actually, the one who was who was shamed is actually the good, and the good, the perceived good, is actually the wicked. I hate that that um, that play, and the reason why I do is because it wasn't the author who came up with a play. So, in other words, if I had written the play and the play, and then I spun it around to prove the point that I was trying to make at the beginning, then it all's fair. But when somebody else ransacks somebody else's character and turns it into something that's upside down, it was it's. It's an assassination. That's just wrong. Uh, but what's also wrong is we have to go to break. You're listening to Right Talk America with Dr. Julio Gonzalez and Rod Thompson. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Right Talk America. My name is Dr. Julio Gonzalez, and I am here today accompanied by my very wicked, Not dastardly, no. green with like envy and nausea and vomiting I'm getting partner. there. <laughs> I'm getting there. <laughs> Mr. Rod Thompson. Woo, that was better. <laughs> Woo. All right. So, Rod, so, uh, well, for our listeners, thank you. Welcome back. Thanks for listening to our second segment. And I uh, want to encourage everybody to come visit us at thefederalistpages.com. Rod and I have been doing some podcasts together, and I expect the trend to continue. Yeah, so, watch for more. So if you're uh, anxiously awaiting listening to us at the end of the week, well, you can have some tastes of us in midweek stride. And if you don't know when that will be, if you go to thefederalistpages.com, you can sign up for the email list, and then you'll just be alerted when we come out. And you can also sign up for the revolutionaryact.com's email list because I get your stories on email. Yeah, that's true. So I'll tell you what else, I what I didn't get into by email, but I just stumbled upon it. So what I do oftentimes is, you know, a lot of the, us doctors, we are now in like this electronic medical record land. Oh, yeah, that's great And stuff. so we essentially become, you know, overpaid transcriptionists. It is good for us patients, I'll say. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> and, and, then we, and then we sit there all day on a computer, right? And so the, kind of the good thing about being able to work on the computer is that you can put like background stuff. And mm. I happen to put the news oftentimes so I can keep up with the assault on healthcare that we'll get to later. But uh, nevertheless, this time I'm, li- I'm doing my charts, having a wonderful time, and all of a sudden I hear that the president is really upset. It's like, okay, so this is about noon time and uh, maybe one o'clock in the afternoon. And so something happened in the morning. Something had to have happened in the morning. Well, I'll tell you what happened in the morning. And this was Wednesday, specifically. On Wednesday, <laughs> Nancy Pelosi in her infinite wisdom, got together with her caucus about what to do about Donald Trump. And it was like, what are we going to do about Donald Trump? Because Donald Trump... What are we going to do about this duly elected president of the United States we don't like? He's horrible. He's wicked. Just like just like the, the good witch of the North. He's wicked. And so we got to do something about it. We're going to impeach him. Are we going to get rid of him? Running against him didn't work. Uh, trying to get him for collusion didn't work. Trying to get him for conspiracy didn't work. Running that awful audio that was done in private right before the election didn't work so what will possibly work well perhaps impeachment proceedings so she's having this discussion with a caucus that by the way she has no control of and she comes out afterwards and has to have a press conference and the press conference essentially uh goes something like we had a wonderful meeting our caucus is really united and we are really united against president trump specifically because he is engaged in a cover-up right He's engaged in a cover-up. <laughs> and then I can only imagine it because according to President Trump, he's eating lunch <laughs> thinking he's going to have a pleasant meeting about it, <laughs> about, about, infrastructure. Uh, about infrastructure. And I can just imagine him, you know, trying to chop down on one of those Big Macs that he likes to eat. And all of a sudden he starts coughing and choking because what an insult. This woman who happens to be the Speaker of the House with whom he is supposed to meet in about an hour has actually come out and... Uh, accused him, expressly accused him of being a felonist of the greatest regards. I mean, you know, just like it, it isn't even a, a small felony. It would be just a, an absolutely horrible crime to be engaged in a cover-up as the president of the United well, States. Well, it'd be Nixonian, and that's why they're using that term is because that was a, a lot. You know, what happened during Watergate wasn't that big a deal because it's pretty clear Nixon didn't know about it. But he was involved in the cover-up of it, and so that was the problem. So they're using the cover-up 
meme, as I was talking about in that first segment. Um, and then what happens, of course, and this is why I say that actually there's a sense here in which Pelosi trolled Trump, trolled the king of the trollers, uh, Trump, who is so good at trolling the Democrats. But he got trolled this time, and we're all susceptible to that. Um, because um, the more I've thought about this in the 24 hours or, or so since I heard about it from you originally, um, the more I've begun to think that this was actually, it was all done, I think, on purpose in order to get Trump. Because I think they were, they're going to go with the cover-up. The, 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 the Democrats' game plan, because they can't beat him in, in, apparently in normal ways. So they have to go with, he's covering things up, and by the way, he's unhinged. He is not uh, a careful president. He is actually a little bit crazy. Look at how wildly he reacts to things. He's unpredictable. This is to try and turn, I think, suburban women to be uncomfortable with him, that demographic that isn't real comfortable with him in the first place. I think that's what a lot of this is about. I don't think that they, they couldn't give two hoots about the infrastructure bill in the end, because they don't care what's good for American people right now. They really don't. I really think the president does, to some degree, care what's good for America and American people. I don't see that in Democratic leadership. They're out to get Trump and nothing else but get Trump. So I think that they trolled him into getting him to walk out of that meeting so it looked like he's wrong. So that the media, who are their allies, and they knew how they would play it, would say Trump storms out of meetings, Trump goes out of meetings. That is the image that they are wanting to project. Now, having said that, Emotionally, I totally understand it. They have been wrongfully coming after him for two and a half years now for something that he never did. It's obvious in the Mueller report he never did. And now they're still trying to come after him. They're trying to go after his family, go after his friends and everything. And now they're making these very personal attacks on him, although he does his own uh, level of name calling. So, you know, a little bit, you have to go either way. But I understand at a presidential level here, where you're talking about the Speaker of the House and you're trying to have, you're going to have a productive meeting. I understand why he sort of just gets, said, "Screw you! I'm done. I am not going to deal with you people while you're acting this way." I think that's visceral and understandable. Better politics would have been taking the high road. I don't know that that's in his playbook. I don't know that that's in his playbook. Um, but I think taking the high road and making them look petty and small and saying, "Look." I'm the president. I'm looking out for the American people. I'm going to move forward with what's good for the American people, even though the Democrats are acting dishonestly and, and uh, lying about me and continuing to. I will continue to work for the American people because at least somebody in Washington here in the swamp has to stand up for the American people. I think if he does that, and he still can continue to do that, I think that he continues to put them on the defensive. And then if they have to run on that and their record of insanity on issues, He's got a really good path. Well, I think uh, a couple of things. Uh, first of all, I'm going to take issue uh, very sidebar. Saw that. Sidebar. No, no, this is not what I'm going to take issue. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get to that later. But uh, I'm going to take a small sidebar in that when you said, I think at least somewhat the President of the United States um, cares about what's better for the for the uh, American people. Oh, I disagree care. with you. I think he cares immensely about he what's does. better for the United States. I don't think that's all he cares American about, about, but yes, he does care about I think that. it's a primary driver of course, there's ego issues. There's always ego issues with, with and, and it's not just with Trump, but anybody in in that position. But 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 I think the primary driver, the reason why he got into this mess, the whole reason why he's into this is because he's fed up. I agree. Just like just like the majority of the American public, and he wanted to be president, and and he no, well he he thought that he was in a position to be able to do it, and to be able to stand up to the swamp. So I don't think it was. I think I I think the ego in this in this analysis is about the uh the thought that he would be in a position to do it factually he actually was correct but i don't think i don't think it was the pleasure of being able to call himself uh president of the united states that drove him i think what drove him is he wants he he was seeing the swamp 
and he wanted to get rid of the swamp and just take it on head on because he was sick and tired of it. Okay. I mean, I think it's both things. I agree, but I think the majority is um, is uh, is his issue about about desiring what's best for the American. Okay, what's your take on people? on her trolling him and the resulting politics of it? I think number one, I think it's like a bar- boxing match or like a, a a football game, and you make the concerted effort that in the in the middle of the game you're going to not run for points; you're running to tire the other team out. Particularly better, the yeah, better analogies in the boxing match. So if you think that you're gonna, you can, you can get them towards the end, and in the end you're gonna take the uh, the advantage, then then you do whatever it takes to not to keep him from scoring any points. So and you may not score any points either, just as long as you just keep beating him down, beating him down. Yeah, but I you think that's avoid strategy. getting hit in that analogy. That's right, and here we end. Hence my point. <laughs> okay, which is I think on this one they they lost. I think oh. I think I think on this one, I think on this one. They look pity, petty. I think on the last one, which is the closure of the of the government, the government partial government shutdown, whatever. I agreed with President Trump totally. So in my view, he didn't look petty. But but I understand how it was be able. I was able to be spun on him. I think on this one, the ones that look. I think the overwhelming number of American people, particularly women, particularly women. If you tell a woman, listen, this gal just insulted the heck out of me. And then an hour and a half is hypocritical enough to come over and um, and 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 say with a two face just hypocrisy that she is wanting to negotiate with me in good faith. I'm not going to do it. I think most women, in particular, would say, "Look, they're picking on you. They're taking advantage on you." And yeah, good for you for standing up. Well, he's always going to stand up. That's for sure. I think that though that he would have done better politically. Now I'm talking about the politics because I think uh, you know. His base and people who support him, people like you and me at this point, are going to be able to um, understand why he did it and get why he did it, and we're going to be supporting him right. for doing it. We don't matter because we're going to vote for him in November 2020. That's not a, that's not about who this is about. Okay, this is right, exactly right. And so that was my point. It's about that 15 to 20 percent in the middle that is persuadable. And my 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 take on it is that if he acts more above the fray, more presidential, I think he I has think to take. I think he has to bounce back on this. He's got to be. Push himself, back on this one. He will be, but there's no reason why he can't be. He the, can be the. He can be the bigger ego. If even. if if, if he stays man. quiet on this. And no, sh- no, not stay. If quiet. he stays quiet on this, if he if he plays the bigger man, goes in, strolls into that office, and has the meeting, and then walks out, this doesn't get the play that Absolutely it did. Absolutely not. No. That, so I, then, what I are would, you saying? I would never have. I'm saying if he goes into that meeting, into that, um, and goes into it and comes out, then he has the full megaphone. He can have his rose garden thing. I disagree. He can do it. Wait, and he can say just what I suggested. He say, look. He says, I'm working for the American people. They are working to get rid of me, but I am still going to work for the but American that's people what, and that's do what's a, best that's for what the American did. people. That's no, what he did. What's no. the difference between what he did and what you're envisioning? Because he left the meeting. The infrastructure. So now, has, I'm, I'm saying all this politically. I don't even want the infrastructure you're bill. You're saying he has the whole meeting. That. He sits there and has the whole meeting and nods. And then walks out and lashes at the press. No, no, whatever he has. This was this is the media wasn't in with this meeting, so he could have whatever meeting he wants with them. Um, and then he he could lead them on. He could troll them into thinking everything is fine, and they go out and let them do their nice press conference that they have about it. And then he goes out after that and and delivers the blows that we want to get. In other words, he do- dodges and weaves, and then he punches back after the meeting. Still working for the American people. Still coming back after this break. <laughs> 
All right, welcome back to Right Talk America with Dr. Julio Gonzalez and myself, Rod Thompson. Uh, whew, those first two uh, segments, I hope nobody missed those because those were hot and smoking topics that we had to deal with. Now we have a much more, <laughs> yes, exactly. Uh, we have a much more, less smoldering, but uh, oh, it's just smoldering, as important. Baby. It is smoldering because the assault on our health care is overwhelming. It's true. I mean, really, you can't get away from it, can you? You just but, can't but, get away from but. it. It's a foundational truth. Alas, it's a foundational truth. So and that's, let's set it up. Right. So, so this is our foundational truth segment, um, and which is, by the way, brought to you by Free Market Healthcare Pack. That's right, the Free Market Healthcare Pack. Um, and last week in this, we talked about um, healthcare in sort of natural law terms. And this week, Julio is going to bring us into healthcare constitutionally and the whole concept of a of a, a, a government uh, paid. Single payer healthcare system run by the government, whether that's constitutional, whether that fits at all with our foundational beginnings, whether that is not even, and he can even talk about whether it's workable or not because he's a doctor and he knows both he and his wife are doctors and they know. But this is foundational truth, so we'll probably stick to the foundational. Basis We're going to talk to the constitutional part. So, so um, look, last time we talked about natural law. My contention is two. There's two contentions that that I have. And actually, they're the same two contentions that the free market healthcare pack is striving to achieve. And that is the first one is that the free market, a free market design for our healthcare system is by far the, the most, um, the one that, that respects the dignity of the patient the most by far. Why does it do that? Well, because it's the one that intrudes the least on the physician patient relationship. But in addition, there's a second one. There's a second contention that I have. And the, and the first one, the, the second one is that by, the Constitution wouldn't allow it. The Constitution would allow, to, to have, allow us to have a, a single-payer, Medicare-for-all kind of system. It would be unconstitutional. Why do I say that? Well, all you have to do is read the Constitution. Remember a certain number of concepts, and this is where we get to our foundational truth. Okay, so it's not the Second Amendment. Okay, go ahead. No, it's not the Second Amendment. <laughs> I'm joking. You just said read your Constitution, so I thought, wait, I get the only gun. Has so you started. You started the reading the Constitution of the Second Amendment. Is that? <laughs> I like to see how the book ends. Just in case you don't live to finish it, just <laughs> like, right. just like uh, whatever his name is. Anyway, um, so getting back to the point. Sorry. The Constitution, as you as you may recall, Rod, the Constitution. Built was built under the premise that the federal government was one of, of enumerated powers. Correct. Nowhere in the Constitution does it say healthcare. It it doesn't say it. Really? But it, but it says abortion though, right? There is that in. There. It doesn't so say abortion either. It doesn't Rod? Rod no, it doesn't say any of those things. But surely it says right to privacy. It doesn't say that either. What? Are you kidding me? No. Wow. No. Okay, I think I've been misled. Okay. Yes, you have. Lead me correctly here. So so, but the only place the only. The only, it does say general welfare. It says oh, that's general pretty welfare. broad, isn't it? General, it says general welfare twice. So let's address the two times that it says general welfare. The first is right at the opening, at the preamble. It says that we are establishing, ordaining this constitution for the purposes of, among other things, provide for the common defense, etc. Among other reasons is to provide for the general welfare. The, the preamble has no legal authority. All it does is tell you, to, look, here's why we're doing this. Right, but it does give direction for future generations. It gives your directions for future generations, but you can't take it to court and say the first the Constitution allows this 
or disallows this based on what's in the preamble. Gotcha. It doesn't happen. So the second place, there's only one other place, other, only one other place where the, where the Constitution mentions the word general welfare, and that is in Article 1, Section 8, Clause 1, I believe. And in there, it is the taxing authority for the federal government. It says the federal government can apply, impose taxes for all sorts of reasons, including providing for the general welfare. That's it. It does not say that they can create any system to protect the general welfare. It doesn't say that. That's not there. It does not say that they can run a system for our health care. doesn't say that either. It doesn't even say in the Constitution that they can run and create a third-party payer system to pay people to receive their health care so that they can guarantee that everybody gets health care for all. It doesn't say that. So any idea, any idea where, where someone would try to create a system run by the federal government to provide health care insurance for the whole country would be a novel interpretation of the Constitution, one that anybody who has any interest in subscribing to the original intent of the Constitution would strike down as unconstitutional. Okay, well, so maybe you just uh, answered what I was, what I wanted to follow up with, about, though, and that is that I believe most of what the federal government does now is not enumerated in the Constitution. Yeah. <laughs> so it's already doing enormous number of things. I mean, a Department of Education, et cetera, et cetera, right? There's all sorts of things that the federal government is doing. I would say the majority of what it's doing is not in its enumerated powers. So well, this is just one more thing. Is this really that big a deal? It's a big deal, huh? It is a big deal. And, and I got to tell you, you're right. It does that. And that is exactly why the argument, number one, cannot, cannot be left alone. The argument has to be waged. The battle has to be waged. And the second, reason, the second thing about that is that it needs to be taken ser seriously. So when Kamala Harris comes out there and says, I want single payer for everybody, and, um, and all the other president, uh, Democratic presidential candidates, pretty, mu pretty much Bernie Sanders, you know, Buttigieg, 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 or whatever his name is. Buttigieg. All these guys are out competing each other, out trying to step each other to see who can provide the grandeur, the the most the most over overwhelming uh, healthcare solution for the nation. They need to be stopped because each one of those changes that you talk about fundamentally changes the relationship between the we the people and the federal government a relationship that was supposed to be based on checking the power of the government, particularly the federal government. It wasn't just about the federal government, of course. It was also checking state governments. But the Constitution itself, the whole thing is we didn't want a dynasty. We didn't want a king. George Washington didn't want to be king. And, um, and maybe the only person that I think of recently that wanted to be king is Obama. But other than him, I don't know of any other person who, want, who has ever wanted to be king of the United States. And that is an ingrained foundational truth. The problem is that the moment you erode away, you chip away, you chip away at the, at the Constitution, you essentially will cause a relationship that is completely different from what we originally had, number one, and even more daunting, one that allows the government to run away with power and oppress each and every one of us. Take, for example, our health care. Take, for example, the absolute power that somebody would have in the name of health care. You can't drink a large Diet Coke. You can kill the baby because of mental issues in the mother. You can, you can uh, 
discontinue life support at any time. You can... How about sterilization? You can force sterilization. That was done before. We ruled unconstitutional. Yep. You can... You can uh, price or reimburse certain services out of existence. You don't have to tell them that, it, that you can't have it. All you have to do is price it out of existence. The power would be so overwhelming, Rod, they could even control, control what we purchase in the name of healthcare. It would eviscerate everything else. So, no, this isn't just a substantive debate, in my opinion, that's taking place in our country about, about well, we got a better healthcare system than you do, and we got a better idea. This is a, a debate that goes to the core of what it means to be America and, by extension, what it means to be an American. All right. Well, so that actually is really interesting to me because the idea that it could control so much of our lives, that this would be almost a fulcrum on which to be able to leverage control of all the rest of our lives, not really something I'd give much thought to. So you're right. What we eat impacts our health. We know that in a general sense. So clearly the people that are paying for our health care are going to want to control what we eat so that they for our healthcare. The same way the environment around us, pollution around us, global warming, if that's bad for healthcare. I mean, everything that could impact our health, which is almost everything. Is everything. Then, is everything. Then this could it's be that from, is that is really interesting. From from uh, your regular checkups to a Green New Deal. Because yeah. it's all defendable. Uh, on your health, you can defend anything on the basis of your health. Take for example, while we're at it, the SNAP program in the um, uh, on the state program on the state side, where you can get your food stamps and stuff. So, so there's been a lot of debate about in the in the House of Representatives while I was there. There was a lot of debate about what we want people to be allowed to purchase for food on uh, on in the name or in in the pocketbooks of the of the state government so for example we all agree that you can't buy cigarettes right we all agree that alcohol. you can't buy alcohol mm -hmm. but there there the the debates were look can the mom buy fruit juice for the kids artificial sweeteners soda pop i mean it just goes on and on and yeah. on and you can just see how and this is just by a by it isn't even an authority that was given to the to the state government on the on the virtue of the healthcare system, this is about the types of foods that we want to fund as taxpayers for people to purchase. But but can you imagine if the federal government were put in charge of our healthcare, how easily it would be to make the argument you're only allowed to buy three potato chip bags per month per individual because it's just not good for you. And I think we've already seen that that instinct is in place with a lot of people on the left, the same types of people promoting the single payer health plan are the same types of people that want to cap um, the size of a soft drink in New York and on and on and on, right? And these are exactly the types of people that the Constitution, whether they knew it or not, is the same exact types of people that the Constitution is designed to check, in, to check their power. Because if those people are allowed to run amok... <laughs> Right. So, so that is part of human nature, what those people are, do and how they act. And to some degree, you know, we all have that or we want to pursue power, which was the point of having the government set up with all these frictions, right? Which is the point of having three branches in the federal government and having the federal government being almost subservient to the states, essentially, um, and et cetera. So the idea that you have, that you have the, the states would actually be able to do some of this, perhaps. But the federal government should never be able to constitutionally. You're listening to Right Talk America with Rod Thompson, Dr. Julio Gonzalez. We'll be right back.
Welcome back to Right Talk America with me, Dr. Julio Gonzalez, and my very esteemed colleague, who used to be wicked in the last seg- segment, two segments ago, but now now he's now back to being esteemed. Phew. Mr. Rod Thompson on AM 930, The Answer, where, once again, going to advise everybody to go visit Rod Thompson's website at therevolutionaryact.com. That's therevolutionaryact.com, where Rod has all sorts of conservative writings, not just from him, but from other accomplished writers as well. And then come over to the Federalist pages, where not only do we have an occasional writing, but we also have a podcast here and there. And remember... If you haven't had enough for, of Rod and Julio together, bloviating and talking over each other. <laughs> there's always more. Yeah, there's always more, and you can catch that at the federalistpages.com. So we're into the rapid-fire round, which is bittersweet because it is probably one of our favorite, if not our favorite, uh, segment. But it also signals the incoming end of our of our broadcast. So look, speaking of incoming end... Of anything, let's talk about the end of Theresa May's oh, tenure. Boy, yeah, which happened on I think Friday is when the more the the news broke. Well, that's and when it became more official. Tearful, right? Yeah. Exactly when it became <laughs> official because she had a tearful exit. <laughs> she had a mexit uh, from from government. She she had a tearful uh, goodbye, and um, essentially it it ended in failure. Her her. Her prime ministry ended in failure because she was unable to achieve the most important thing that she was given, which is a Brexit agreement. And the reason why I think, Rod, and there was a pretty good analysis about this, uh, dating back to how she got the prime ministership. She became prime minister on a very rapid turnaround. The the, um, leadership was in disarray, and they picked her. And they picked her because she was the compromiser. She was the one who could probably appease most people. And so they got a wishy-washy person. Well, things changed. People got really upset at, at the European Union. I think it's obvious that the European Union is sucking out wealth from England and Germany as well. But the primary one that, that I think is getting their wealth sucked out of involuntarily is England. I think the British people know it. What? I don't think they want to have anything to do with it. And then you sprinkle with this, you sprinkle into that, this open borders policy on on this horrible situation that has happened in the Middle East, where all these poor, and I am not castigating or, or, or ill-speaking of these people at all in general. I'm sure there's a few really malfeasance in there. But in general, I mean, these are people who are suffering. And I think primarily Germany, in their guilt of their wickedness, it seems to be the word of the day, in their wickedness and their, and their just disgusting behavior during World War II, I think... Uh, Germany, in their guilt, has pretty much wanted to show the world that they are the single most just receptive, accepting individuals in the world, and we will open your doors. Well, guess what? Once those people get into the European Union, they can travel amongst the different states without without a, a any any passport or anything like that. Right. So all of a sudden, they, they have access to England. And what has happened in England, in Normandy, in France— Terrorist attacks have taken place, and I think the, the people of England are, are completely fed up with it, and they would much rather have a hard Brexit than have some compromise negotiated with them that would take away the inherent rights of England as a free nation. Right. So I think that the, uh, a number of points there, um, I think that the driving factor behind Brexit was actually the um, loss of identity of the English people. I mean, they have a long and mostly glorious um, history 
of the English um, people there of Great Britain, and their their society is being transformed. It's being transformed through immigration that is out of their hands, and I think this is part of it. So if you're living in London or Manchester or some some any one of their rural towns or whatever, um, you don't have any control. You have no vote in trying to say, wait, we want to control who immigrates to our country and who lives here and who doesn't, just like Americans want to control that. They wanted to control that, and the European Union said, no, we're not going to do that. Nine, you can't do that. Um, and, and you know, so there was this loss of identity, loss of control. They didn't feel like they were in control of their country, which they weren't. None of them really are in the European Union. It's done by these giant bureaucrats in Brussels. Um, but I also think that with, with Theresa May was absolutely the wrong person in place there at the time because what they needed, they needed somebody who understood. Now, remember, she ran um, on a platform opposing Brexit. So she was opposed to Brexit, but she was one, all right, we can make this happen. Let's try and make this happen. Well, she goes right into meetings with the European Union people because you have to negotiate a way out of it because their tentacles are all over in it. You have to negotiate a way out. She goes into this meetings with them basically saying, I, you know, I don't really want to exit or whatever. She has no concept of how to negotiate. And so she was getting these terrible deals to bring back the parliament. She couldn't get her party or the other party on board with these deals. And so they kept collapsing all the time because she was terrible. Here's one of the keys, though, that I think that um, people miss in this. Trump told Theresa May several times, go hard. Just go hard on Brexit and then make a deal with us. I'll do a deal with you because this is Trump, right? This is his way he thinks and works. That's what he does. That's what he does. He says, and I'll make a deal with you. If she had just gone hard, all right, you know what? We're out of here. We're just going to leave. We're just going to break She would free. be in power tomorrow. She would be. And the British people would be better off because I guarantee you Trump would cut her and England a better deal than he has with the European Union because that's who Trump is. She didn't recognize any of this. At all. Now, I think Nigel Farage, the head of the Brexit party, which might be the majority party, or I mean the plurality party in um, England now, which just started like two years ago. Um, it's like, it's amazing. That's where everybody's gone. The Tories have collapsed. That's their con formerly sort of kind of conservative party that May was head of. So th the whole thing is blowing up, and it's very reflective in a mirror of what's going on in the U.S. True. Yeah. Okay. All right, so I have one, uh, maybe a little faster than that, and that is, I just don't understand why people like Stacey Abrams are still a thing. Kamala okay, Harris. Okay, end of story. Yeah, Next story. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Kamala, but, but so Stacey Abrams was the, um, the black female uh, Democrat candidate for governor of Georgia. She lost by about a percent, percent and a half uh, to the Republican, and she claims that the election was stolen, it was rigged, um, and because there was voter suppression and et cetera, even though black voter turnout was something like 20-some percent higher <laughs> than it was four years earlier. I mean, it doesn't matter. She just says it. Um, Andrew Gillum doesn't say it that much, but it gets said on his behalf. And here's, so here's Kamala Harris. Kamala Harris, uh, one of the big names running for Democratic um, nomination for President of the United States and is a California U.S. Senator, um, said that it, if it weren't for voter suppression tactics by the GOP, that, um, that both... Uh, both um, Stacey Abrams and Andrew Gillum would be governor. And she says they both won, actually. They actually won. This is what Kamala Harris is saying. Total flip of what we had in 2016 when all the Democrats were aghast and the media with them, same people, 
aghast that Trump would say that he might not accept the results of the election when now we see that no Democrats accept well, the results of any elections that they lose. This is even Although worse. Although I'm putting less of this on Gillum because he's not as bad as the others. This America. is even worse than, than, than the aghastness and the hypocrisy because this, they're not charging, Rod, that there was foul play at the booths. In other words, no, they're, they're not the, saying the roles were purged ahead. They're they're saying right. Well, they're saying that that the whole process, that everything was undermined. It wasn't even it wasn't even the process. It's that society is working to to disenfranchise the minority voter, the Af the African American voter in specific. And so essentially, it doesn't matter what accusation, what criticism you may make about the process. You're now gotten. You're now going to the point where just the whole country is there to suppress the the results, the fair and results of our elections. So essentially, you are. They are at their very core undermining, undermining the very essence of our country. They're almost. It's almost it's, like they're saying that if if blacks lose a close election. That is proof America's fault of of American racism and voter suppression. Right. That, and that in pick, itself is is evident. Pick, That's astounding. Pick your jurisdiction. It's Georgia's fault. It's Alabama's fault. It's Maryland's fault. It's Florida's fault. It's it doesn't matter where it happens. Right. It doesn't matter where it happens. The the first the language is atrocious because up until now we have identified certain specific things in the system. The elderly aren't being taken from the nursing home to right. the to to the to the voting booth. Whatever uh, the Russians interfered with how we tabulate our our numbers. This is different. This is the whole compendium in its totality of society is so bad, is so bad. Our country is so broken that we can never have a fair election when it comes to an African-American candidate. That, that is not Ooh, by is the way, that a gigantic by the way, lie. By the way, we had a black president the way, for right, two right. terms. Exactly right. We had never mind the president. fact that the president prior to this one was African-American. Whatever. Wow. Okay, so listen, speaking of whatever's turning the world upside down, um, Wells Fargo, which I, I describe as the greatest leaker in the banking industry, now, it is told, has actually given thousands of documents of President Trump's financial records to Maxine Waters. Oh, great. NBC reported that on Thursday, and essentially the, the lay of the land has now changed so that Ma Maxine Waters now has information, maybe even some of his tax reports, I, we don't know what's in it, uh, regarding that, that the bank had of President Trump. They were handed over. This is appalling. This is atrocious. Uh, and, of course, one more black eye, in my opinion, for Wells Fargo. Well, here's the problem is that the, she's over the finance uh, committee in the House there. That's extremely powerful. And the government has such heavy regulatory hands in the banking system that the banks are totally beholden. It is like a corruptocracy cool. there between the two. So Not they're cool, going to cave but, all the time there. This is a, this is I, a bad, bad system. Thing, bad thing, bad thing, bad thing. But, look, let the leaks begin. Oh, Let you know, I, I'm surprised they haven't already. Considering what you just said, actually, I'm a little bit surprised they haven't already. Plus, she is an atrocious person since she and her husband probably actually gained by financial and malfeasance. And it is so atrocious that our time is up. So, But we'll be back next week on Right Talk America. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.